Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another podcast for Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate you guys listening. Hope your week's starting off well. And uh, boy, we need to be in the Word of God, and we need to pray for discernment, man. I'm just just looking at the headlines over the past couple weeks, and we are going to do a show a week from today and catch up on all the news, and not all of it, as much as we possibly can. There's so much going on, and I know... Especially as Christian parents, you might feel a little overwhelmed trying to deal with it all. And oftentimes what that does to uh, a Christian is causes us to step out of the game and, and check out and just say, you know what, I just want to ignore it. I want, I want peace. <laughs> I don't want to deal with these things that are happening in the public schools, uh, Hollywood, and government, uh, social media, whatever it might be. But parents... Um, do the hard, make the hard choice, and uh, step up. Um, We've got a very special guest in studio today, and we're going to get a pastor's perspective on the threats to our religious freedom and on the subject of bullying and so much more. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to talk about this important issue and to inform and encourage and warn uh, Christian parents Um, about what's happening in the public schools and the radical agendas that are coming against our kids faster than most of us ever imagined it would be happening today. We know, Lord, that um, in terms of prophecy and in terms of eternity and Bible, uh, the, the truths from the Bible, we know that things are not necessarily falling apart, as so many have said They're falling into place when it comes to end times and and prophetic things. But, Father, we have to deal with them here and now. So please give us wisdom and uh, teach us to number our days. Give us a sense of urgency. Help us to trust in you with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. Um, We ask that you give us uh, wisdom and strength one day at a time. We thank you for daily bread. We praise you that you are an awesome God and you are sovereign, and you know exactly what's happening. You're not up in heaven. You're not up in heaven pacing or surprised by any of the events that are happening uh, in America or anywhere else in this world. But, Father, we trust an unknown future to a known God, and we thank you that you can be known. We lift up this hour to you, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's guest, Pastor Alvin Dupree of Family First Ministries in Appleton, Wisconsin, is a retired 20-year retired combat combat Marine and also the first African-American elected to the Appleton, Wisconsin area school board. And uh, he made it clear when he was first elected, by the way, that first and foremost, he is a man of God. And uh, Pastor Dupree has a combat tour in uh, Afghanistan, and he's fighting now, after doing that fight in Afghanistan, he's fighting systematic bullying within the school district, as indicated in his new book, brand new, I mean hot off the press, recently published. It's called Standing Up to the Systematic Bully. I've got a copy of it right here in my hands. We're going to be talking about this um, and sharing a little bit more of his story, giving you some background. Now, Pastor Dupree came under attack on several occasions for publicly stating at a graduation ceremony (gasps) that his source of strength was Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, it's, it's, that's, like, that's like a cuss word now in today's culture. But Pastor Dupree spearheaded the movement to shut down one of the most abusive systems in the Appleton area school district, Truancy Court, which did more harm to countless children who had mental health issues, poverty, and a host of other underlying issues which were not addressed prior to locking these young people up. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but first, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth, Pastor Alvin. Hey, thank you for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure being we here. We appreciate you coming in today. It's good to see you face-to-face. Absolutely. Um, 
Uh, before we get to the book, let's for our newer listeners, we've got a lot of new people that have been tuning in, and the, our podcasts are downloaded since the last time you were here. I think it's maybe been a year. Yes. I don't know. But you uh, kind of... Uh, a lot of people heard about your story when you were on the school board in Appleton, Wisconsin, and you spoke at a graduation ceremony. And um, boy, did that <laughs> did that blow up! And all you did, as we mentioned in the introduction, is you said the source your source of strength is your faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. And you, but here's where you crossed the line. I think no, I'm kidding, but you, you crossed the line apparently when you said that we told the students to never succumb to the pressure of being politically correct. Oh my goodness, the audacity you had! So, as just giving you up, giving our listeners, um, bringing them up to speed, the Freedom from Religion Foundation. It's based in Madison, Wisconsin. They came against you, attacked you. But here's what I thought is fascinating and was fascinating. It wasn't just the FFRF that came against you. They're known for this. But 29 students or former students from Appleton North High School, this is in Wisconsin, they wrote a letter to the district expressing frustration with your comments and your use of, quote, Christian themes in a graduation speech. Students and former students, something's wrong in the public school system, if students are saying, wait a minute, he shouldn't be able to say that. So this is a free speech issue. Now, bring us up to speed there. A lot of people heard about that, and that I think that made a lot of national news headlines. I first read about it in uh, CBN, I think, Christian mm -hmm. Broadcasting Network. They have their website, their news source. Um, so tell us, first of all, bring us an update on that issue and what they did, because I know you wrote about it in the back of your book, I think you get to that. Actually, the restrictions that they have now on people that want to speak at graduation ceremonies. Well, absolutely. The, the update is very uh, simple. I believe without a question that when you speak to the children and they're writing the letter, I believe that speaks to a lot of what I believe is systematic bullying in that they have systematically had these kids uh, pre-staged to try to give this uh, real fake uh, feeling that they're somehow been forced to listen to some, so, some sort of Christian speech because what a, peop a lot of people aren't aware of, Dave, is that this is the second time. The first time I did it was in 2017. Okay. And uh, when one of my children had graduated in 2017, and there was an attempt then uh, to try to get some involvement with the Freedom From Religion organization, in which they did. However, there was no recording of the event. So they had this pre-stage. That, that, that was a graduation And speech. they didn't record it? They didn't have any That's actual odd. documented recording in 2017. So this time, two, 2000, I believe 18 it was, they had already prepped because by this time I had already brought awareness to uh, the truancy court that you kind of alluded to, mm -hmm. and I made it clear that it's my faith that's not going to allow me to be silent on this abusive system. I can't sit here. And it had been, went on for over a decade with a court of appeals decisions that said you need to stop this practice. It's abusive. It's affecting all types of people and other uh, members of the uh, city board, county board. They had tried to get some attention to this prior to that. <clears throat> but because I made it clear that it, it's my faith, it's my faith. You know, I, I can't be play politics here. I have to speak up. Well, they knew that this coming graduation speech was right around the corner. So they already, in my observation, and when you look at the actual uh, documentation that's in the book, they knew that the Freedom From Religion, they could essentially systematically partner with them to have this thing staged, but we had to get the kids to do it. And that's what I kind of allude to and speak to in the book. So the up-to-date restrictions, uh, they were able to literally uh, put a six-page document essentially making you swear to an affidavit, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, pre getting a, your speeches pre-approved, screened for anything that uh, the terms that they use aren't uh, religious-based, but anything that they would consider are controversial or crossing the line to try to get a person to stop speaking about it before they even have opportunity to get on stage, all the way to the points of 
uh, recommendations were if they were to get off script, let's pull the plug. It's totally ridiculous wow. and it's crossing the line. Wow. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I guess um, a speaker could get up there and, I don't know, use uh, profane language or talk about whatever else. But if you mention faith, Jesus, religion, you're in big trouble now. Um, so you called the guidelines systematic bullying and a direct attack on the First Amendment, which I agree. Um, you said, quote, to me, that is criminal and it is wrong and it doesn't lead to tolerance. Here, Unquote. Here the preachers of tolerance mm-hmm. are saying, you can't say that. The preachers of tolerance, right? Uh, you said, I'm not trying to force anyone of any faith or any religion or belief to think as I do. I think everyone should be allowed to freely express who they are as an individual. And what this whole thing led to is <laughs> speakers now must also swear in writing, as you alluded to a minute ago, with a notary and under oath that they will deliver the speech as they wrote it and will not wear like a cross or any materials on your T-shirt or anything that hadn't been previously approved for the event. Really, <laughs> this I mean, this is from a year ago or so. I mean, I, I knew about this story, but I didn't know they went that far. Here's the, here's the solution. We're going to make them swear in, in advance. So you, you said you take issue with the level of authority given to one person, the superintendent at that time. So uh, how did this happen? The Freedom of Religion Foundation, you know, contacted the school board or the, the superintendent and one person made these um, requirements? Or, or how did that come to play? Because th- these are extremely restrictive. Absolutely extremely restrictive. <clears throat> and the way it came into play, uh, this one person, the school superintendent, uh, the current school superintendent, uh, partnered, and in my opinion, with the Freedom From Religion organization because uh, in my book, one of the uh, ones who actually wrote a letter uh, to the district speaking to their concerns, really call it like it is, saying that, listen, because you can't do it legally, publicly, you're going to try to get this organization to partner with you to essentially bully, put systems in place that's going to bully uh, people of faith or anyone who's contra- contradicting anything that the agenda uh, that they want to push into the minds of our kids. Uh, she, as well as hiring an attorney, they drafted up this thing to actually come up with these guidelines and its onset in the forming of this documentation as a school board member, and I'm still a current school board member until April, uh, we had no input as it pertains to how this should be looked. We believe that there should be some guidelines that the board, the elected officials who are speaking on behalf of the community in this public school should put together. So the school board but had no But the school no board had no actually forming of this actual documentation. This was uh, the school superintendent in conjunction with this attorney who, in my opinion, partnered with the Freedom From Religious Organization, and they was forming this document. Even in the document, they actually, even in the letter, initial complaint letter, they actually state that they will uh, partner with the school to help give it some, some training on what's acceptable. So that kind of speaks to the bigger agenda wow. of what, you know, these, these people are trying to push. And I just think it is bullying to a whole nother level uh, to try to shut a person down. So once it was actually put into place, uh, I begin to push and tell the board, no, we need to vote on this. But by that time, it was already clear that, you know, you have these rubber stamp individuals that really yep. uh, want to push this agenda because essentially uh, a whole another whole another process of getting people on the board uh, to me is really using the 5,000 plus voters via the employees that you have to really hand select who you want on there. And wow. God just opened the door for me to get on there to really expose these issues wow. uh, without being silent about it. Now, you say you are on the school board till April. Is there a re-election? How does that work? Yeah, there is a re-election, but uh, Dave, the Lord really gave me uh, to really be an example beyond this, that once you know that you've accomplished what you were called to accomplish, to move on, and mm-hmm. in hopes that would be an example to board members who are mm-hmm. just there taking up space uh, for the power and for the prestige that you get in such a, a position. Uh, I believe a lot of them start off with a good heart, but when good you look intentions. at the truancy court, you look at this freedom of speech uh, <clears throat> oppression, they, they sit there and because of politics and being politically correct, not want to 
uh, look like you're going against a superintendent or uh, administration. They stay there and they just say, okay, well, you know what, Alvin, you know, you, you maybe maybe you should calm down. Well, no, you know, <laughs> I can't calm down on something that's harming our children, something that's been abusive in nature, something that our kids are crying about. And, and for me, just as a parent, I believe it's my right to make sure that my children are able to have the education that I fought for uh, across uh, and many others have fought for. Yeah. And if yeah. we stand up and speak up, then at least there's awareness. And I think the book really uh, allows them to see that, man, this this stuff has to stop because it's beyond just bullying in the classroom. It's happening uh, with, yes. with with these policies and these procedures that are actually put in place. We're speaking with Pastor Alvin Dupree of Family First Ministries in Appleton, Wisconsin. The book is called Standing Up to the Systematic Bully, endorsed by Dr. Duke Pesta. We've had him on the podcast. We've got to do an update again soon on uh, education issues. But he said, quote, In these pages, you will find the chilling account of a school district more focused on tormenting students than teaching them to incarcerating them instead of educating them. I wish I, wish I could say that this systematic abuse is particular to this one school district, but I know too well how pervasive it is in our morally bankrupt public school system. In writing this book and standing up for our most vulnerable children, Alvin Dupree is doing the Lord's work. Those are some powerful words from Dr. Duke Pesta. And I appreciate it. Um, Speaking of children, you have children, four children? I do. I have four. Are any of them in the Appleton School District? Actually, three of them graduated from uh, Appleton North. Okay. Appleton uh, Public School District. I have one left. Okay. Did any of them catch your speech? Were they? Absolutely. Two of them did. So Were they graduating? They they were were graduating. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, tell tell us. Come on. Tell us a little bit about that. They were graduating. Well, I kind of go back to the first one, 2017. uh, Heavenly, who's currently serving over in Korea in the United States Army active duty. Uh, so she's over there serving, wow. and she she was a graduate, really pushing that belief, serve God, serve your country. As a graduate, the school system, the school district had to practice that if there's a standing board member who has a kid graduating, they'll be the one who represent that school. And uh, when I did speak, I spoke very uh, publicly and, and, and made it a point to highlight that because Heavenly's friend, Erica Winkler, uh, had committed suicide uh, that year. Right. And uh, I made it a point to say, let's. Let's speak up and recognize that nothing's worth the pressure of taking your life. And Erica Wrinkler uh, was, uh, her parents had, was quoted to saying that uh, Erica was bullied because of her openness about her faith in school. So okay. it's there. I remember, re- thank you for bringing that up. I remember reading this article. Um, we have two minutes before we need to take a break, but would you please share that story of Erica Winkler? And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is the bullying when it comes to someone's faith and Christianity not just other religion, I mean, everything else goes, but Christianity, we don't hear as much about Christians being bullied, but anything else, you can't say a word or even look at someone with an LGBT rainbow flag on their shirt. You can't even look at them wrong. Absolutely. But, uh, so tell us a little bit about Erica's story. Well, very briefly, uh, Erica Winkler, uh, like I said, she was a very open uh, Christian within the school, uh, mm-hmm. specifically Appleton North. And my daughter, Heavenly, who was her friend, they would share stories because, you know, in, in the uh, lunchroom, about their faith, and they wouldn't participate in what's what was supposed to be the anti-bullying LGBTQ day for uh, kids who are coming out. Right. Uh, they felt the pressure went beyond anti-bullying to try to get other students to conform to this uh, uh, methodology. And Erica and my daughter wouldn't, and they really mm-hmm. found relationships in each other as far as standing connected and talking about their faith. Uh, but the pressure on the fourth year of dealing with this, uh, Erica felt so overwhelmed that she I felt the need to take her life. And her parents reached out to me Mm. and and let me know that, listen, uh, while they're talking about the bullying that's taking place on the playground, uh, someone needs to speak up about this bullying that's taking place. We're trying to force this uh, anti-God agenda on our kids. And because Erica had reached out uh, to administrative leadership and had spoken up about it, it was essentially brushed off to the side, Mm -hmm. uh, according to Erica's uh, parents, and and I wasn't going to be quiet about it. So I spoke up about it and said, let's have a moment of silence for both Erica and Cody Fassbender, who was a kid who had some mental health issues, Mm. and their parents wanted to make sure that bullying in any form is shut down. Absolutely. So that's what that was. Thank you. That is one of the problems we have, that we are not for any kind of bullying. Absolutely. 
But what, what has been happening here with the radical push of the LGBT lobby and the, um, frankly, the, the secular uh, government school system led by the National Education Association, they're making the LGBT issue a special issue. So they're not, they don't care about equal rights. They want special rights. They, wanted, they want to be treated better than and, and protected more than, for example, a Christian who would want to be open about or talk about her faith, his or her faith. So this is the issue. All bullying is wrong. But we, I think we've gone way too far in the other direction now tr- under the guise of anti-bullying or non-discrimination. We're speaking with Pastor Alvin Dupree of Family First Ministries. We are going to talk much more about his book, Standing Up to the Systematic Bully, when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. The book is called Standing Up To The Systematic Bully, and uh, we are going to get into one of the deeper issues now with Pastor Alvin Dupree. Um, I've got an article here that this is relatively new. Now, this just came out, I think, a few weeks ago. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I printed it out a few weeks ago. <laughs> Looking at the print date. Um, it's called Parents Object to Appleton's Truancy Court, and uh, the story that they were following and that we're talking about today, punishments by—I didn't know this was going on—Appleton School District's Truancy Court prompted parents to stage a protest outside the school district's headquarters, and um, one of the organizers of the protest, her name is Amber, said, so kids are getting locked up in shelter care— Kids are being handcuffed in schools, taken out in a police car, and then transported over to shelter care for not going to school. And the article goes on. Pastor Alvin, um, this is really surprising for someone like myself that's been out of school for a long time and doesn't have kids in school. Why are we just now finding out about this? I mean, I know... You hear about this in like Baltimore or Chicago or, you know, some of these inner city schools where they have massive problems and violence and they've and they've got to take extreme measures. Right. Security or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is Appleton, Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit about this. I'm I'm guessing now there was some resolution to it, but these are it's amazing. And you're talking about one family that was very poor. Their son or daughter had graduated and they're still paying for citations. Yes. Please tell us a little bit more about this. Just jumping right in there, you know, I want to be very clear. I go back to my core values of my faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, this is an issue uh, I had got on the board in 2017. This had been going on for over a decade, so uh, about maybe nine years prior to me even getting on the board, this the, this practice had been going on, and the the practice of uh, what I would call systematically bullying uh, kids into a state that they have really already uh, underlining issues like mental health, depression, uh, poverty, and a lot of people. I got to make it clear. I made this clear that it's not. It was not, and is not a race issue. It was a social class issue. Uh, matter of mm. fact, the majority of the people that I had to speak up for that came to me were mostly uh, single Caucasian moms who really didn't have the wherewithal or a husband or someone to go mm-hmm. up there and face these 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 people who are what I call wolves hiding in sheep clothing, uh, called administrative leadership, you know, board members and, and, and who have these crazy policies they couldn't get through. So the 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 bottom line is what was taking place is when a kid is documented as being truant after rather they're tardy because uh, a lot of times you'll think, okay, these kids are just kids who are skipping school, going out, committing vandalism in the community. That's not the case. These kids just, would be late coming to school. They it? would have issues uh, because in of between their class because of their family. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, like I stated, uh, socioeconomically didn't have the uh, means to get there or mentally had ADHD-type issues, mental health issues. And one of these, one of the cases here that I speak to in the book, uh, it was a 16-year-old pregnant uh, female who had, you know, uh, got pregnant, and we all know that we uh, don't want that to happen at such an early age, especially outside of a marriage, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, but she was pregnant, and she was having extreme morning sickness, 
and had documentation from her uh, health care provider saying that, listen, you have to rest and you can't get up to get to school until uh, you pass through this thing because it's causing stress on the baby. Uh, brought the documentation, brought it to school. Uh, nonetheless, this system that was in place was like, no, too bad. We're just going to document it. Once you hit the five or six or whatever standard uh, it was at that particular time, we're going to push you right into this court, uh, truancy court, which is what's being held on campus in the schools. Uh, judge would literally come to the school oh my goodness. with the uh, various officials, a clerk, documenting everything, and in the schools would literally pull these kids out of class. Think about, you know, you're there because they're being late to class and you want them in class, but now you're pulling them out of class and you're bringing them to a court session, thus they're still missing school anyway. Uh, without Even with the documentation, it was, okay, hammer to the nail, too bad. Here's 10 days been locked up in this thing called shelter care, which has been used as a detention facility because we didn't have one here and still don't have one uh, to this date. Okay, so many questions I have about what you just shared. First of all, her name is Lisa. Um, thank you, Lisa, for choosing life, for choosing, I know, you know, pregnancy when you're not married, especially when you're a teenager, that can bring up a whole lot of problems and, and issues and stress. But thank God she decided to have the baby. Now, so she goes to the doctor, and the doctor writes, you know, a letter about her morning sickness, and she got to school late, and so they punish her. Absolutely. And what is shelter care? Shelter care, even having talked to some of the uh, counselors uh, in that particular field and, and the former supervisor of shelter care, was really at really adamant in the fact that they felt that this is not the place for these kids with these issues that aren't being dealt with. It's literally a place that's supposed to be a holding facility to help uh, more traumatized kids or kids who had uh, more or less become actual delinquent. You had sex offenders who have been processed over there, real uh, criminal activity folks who are being uh, kept in the shelter care place. It wasn't for something that you know, really, from a statutory perspective, it was just a uh, infraction and not really a criminal activity. So they were complaining, the, the various counselors, why are you all sending these kids over here? They're mingling with real offenders and yeah. then they're coming out worse. So uh, it's, it is a locked facility. and it Where was, is it located? It's located right there off of uh, uh, downtown Appleton, right near the, the, the county jail, right across the road there. Uh, and they were literally locking them up uh, from school, escorting them from school to the car after handcuffing them, mark, pep, prep walking them down the the aisle. And, uh, and and just for clarity, Lisa is a name that I changed. It's not okay. her, the characters in the book. All their names have been changed. And you can see that the investigation yes. in the back of the book okay. validates the, the, the authenticity of their stories because we had to get an outside investigator to come in after I had already started wow. looking into things wow. myself. So let me clarify something here. These, some of these kids, and I can imagine some of the dysfunctional households, and a divorce causes that for one thing. Absolutely. But when you're dealing with poverty, when that's a, that's a whole other issue, I don't care if you've got both parents or single parents, when, you, when you're dealing with poverty, that's a whole other set of issues that goes uh, along with this. So some, some kids come to school with a lot of problems and a lot of stress and things on their mind that, unfortunately, we wish they didn't have to deal with at such young ages. But some of these kids who are tardy or whatever, they are being sent to this shelter care, the same facility that someone who is maybe a violent person or Absolutely. with mental health issues or someone that you said has attacked other people or bullied other people, they're all in the same facility? Absolutely. No, in the same facility, sometimes sharing uh, bedroom space and, and very, very small uh, facility and very close in close proximity. Uh, in, any research in this area will tell you, even from, for adults, if you're locked up more than two or three days uh, for, let's say, a, a traffic citation because you can't pay the bail, 
with someone who is a violent criminal, you learn behaviors and their likelihood mm-hmm. of recidivism for adults uh, shoots up 50 to 60 percent. Well, imagine these kids who are much more impressionable, these systems that are in our school that are totally abusive, this putting them on a trajectory of total failure mm-hmm. because if some of them, for the most part, 90 percent plus of these cases, they did not have the support at home uh, that they needed to help deal with these underlying issues. And they weren't getting it uh, when they found themselves being documented as truant. And Amber McGinley, I really got to put a shout out to her. Amber McGinley, uh, who was a parent of kids who had to deal with it. And as a parent, she found herself being found in the contempt, uh, trying to be charged with contributing to the delinquency or rather to the truancy of a minor. And she had, she has still to this day uh, several boys who have real underlying issues, but this abusive system, she was very adamant on speaking up about it. Wow. And she's a candidate for the Alpertonary School Board that I really uh, will say very clearly, it's my prayer that she takes my seat because she will not be silent on these type of issues. So Amber McGinley will be running in April? She is running in April. Okay, in Appleton. Appleton Area School District yes. for the board. So let's shout out to Amber McGinley and our friends in the Valley, Appleton area. Remember that name, Amber McGinley. She helped organize um, the Advisory Truancy Task Force, according to uh, one of these articles. So let's go back to the pregnant girl, Lisa's story. Um, what? So the, she went before a judge that took place at the school? Yes. Who... So is there anyone there to defend her? I'm sure it's not like a real court situation, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. It is supposed to be have the same concepts. And it Innocent is until in proven fact, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, in fact, a, a, a real court. Uh, in the school. Place, in the school. So they, they literally you brought in a, a, a judge and, again, partnered with the school district. Now, I want to I say this very openly. Okay. On the onset— it, it gives it gives the appearance, and that's what systematic bullies do. It gave the appearance that hey, we're going to take care of these kids, and we're going to make sure that we make it convenient, and we come to the school campus, and we're going to make sure that we keep them in class. Well, there, there was testimony that these kids were sitting in the hallway sometimes two, three hours, waiting to get inside this makeshift what I would uh, call a kangaroo court to get in there and and and. In the beginning, it, having access to public defenders uh, was very slim. And you see testimony in that investigation where there are actual public defenders who actually testify to the fact that uh, they watched how these kids were treated. They, their, their, uh, their rights were totally being uh, violated. Court of Appeals decisions was uh, really showing that this should have been stopped a long time ago. And that's what I speak about when, when you look at Lisa's story, uh, who did have a baby and had uh, did some— uh, counseling with her mother saying, listen, you know, with, with, in faith that she can't have the baby, you know, let's let's make sure we find this. But she chose to carry that child all the way and still was adamant. I'm going to still get my education. Praise God. Get to school. And she was just stepped on the whole way, locked up in shelter care for two sets of 10 days. Uh, Wait a minute. Yes, so yes. ten days straight. Ten days a straight. Pregnant a pregnant teenager, teenage sixteen-year-old young lady. And what was her most? Um, I guess what was her worst offense? Her was wor- it being late, or was there something no, else? That that was it. It's a maturity in of itself. Only deals with the presence, being present in school or out of school. Now, what they started doing, and that's just where you begin to cross the line. They started having educators give their input as it pertains to where where her grades were. Right, and that's with any of these kids. And, and, and for clarity, a lot of the educators secretly and quietly advocated for these kids and said, this, you know, this has to stop. You know, they, these, we're, we're putting the wrong kids. We can deal with it with social uh, counselors and so on and so forth. But, again, when you have those people in leadership, yeah. this is just what they want to do and – a lot of them were shut down. I even dedicated the book to a lot of the educators who quietly mm. and secretly spoke up. So a shout out to the Appleton Air School District. For uh, those teachers. Those teachers. But let me ask no. you a question, though. It, it just seems like, well, how, how does that work? How, how does someone in the public school system, you, as you said, uh, secretly or quietly speak up? You know what I mean? It's like, 
they're going to get in trouble if, if someone finds out who they are. Right. So I intentionally kept their names uh, private and to this day have kept uh, several names private uh, short of a couple who have since retired. Okay. Uh, but uh, they, <clears throat> they say they point to uh, kids, speak to experience that happened in the courtroom. I sent to, to validate their stories. Those kids, again, has happened for 10 years. Those kids have since become, you know, 1920, taught them how to go back and request their court documents because there is a court reporter in the school. And uh, that court reporter was producing these documents after these now 21-year-old children who experienced this when they were 15 and validated Mm -hmm. name-calling, been called stupid, been treated on, validated some of the stories of some of the educators who in the courtroom in front of their administrative leadership began to speak up were essentially told to shut up and just you know sit here and and be quiet and that's that's even bullying to me yes. to the teachers yes. because they feel that they can't do it cuz this is their this is their job but they can't speak up due to fear of being uh essentially fired wow there's so much more um the book is called standing up to the systematic bully our guest is pastor alvin dupree Family First Ministries, and we want to talk a little bit about Mary's story. Um, now, this is a mother and a task force member, but I just I just read a little bit in Chapter 3 of your book about her. Um, did she have cancer? She went in for chemotherapy or something? Yes, yeah, she had some. Tell uh, us a little bit, if you can kind of sum up her story. I'll sum it up briefly. Yeah. Uh, her, her, her story is that uh, she was one of two community members who volunteered their time to get on this uh, truancy court task force uh, team. Okay. She got on that team, and the reason why it's still a critical issue in the book is relevant is because of the fact that if we're not very cognizant of what's going on, you can reproduce the same type of court under a different name. Mm. She was adamant. She spoke up. Her kids had issues. She was found in a position to where she was held in contempt of court uh, for contributing to the delinquency of a, of a minor, her two kids who had autism and other issues. Oh, no. <laughs> she, she's like, listen, wow. I'm struggling. I, I, I'm wrestling at that time. She was kind of single. She, and she's getting and she, cancer and she's treatments. she's getting these treatments. And it's like, are you, are you serious? Uh, and, and, and a lot of these parents and kids are dealing, still dealing with those fines of that uh, nature even right now. Wow. So there... It's frustrating to me, and forgive me for not being as informed on this particular topic, because, I mean, it may have, there may have been, have been a couple articles on it. And by the way, we are going to put a link in today's podcast notes to a page on Pastor Alvin's website that will uh, provide some news stories from the local news channels that did interviews or stories on this issue. So we'll put that link in today's podcast post. And, you know, I mean, if you want to go there right now, the, the website is alvindupree.com, and he's got a link for truancy court videos on that website. But we'll connect that with the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Um, the book, Standing Up To The Systematic Bully, we're going to wrap it up and talk a little bit more about that. But we're also going to talk about some local issues. And Wisconsin, again, has made headlines but not in the way we would, of course, like to make these headlines. Uh, Family Research Council weighed in and other outlets across the country on an issue. What is it relating to? Parental consent um, and it's, the LGBT. It's just so sad, you guys. But so much more with Pastor Alvin Dupree when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Pastor Alvin Dupree. We're going to wrap up the book, uh, Standing Up To The Systematic Bully, by asking you the question, is uh, the truancy court um, blown up? Is it still in place? Is there a new system? Are there better solutions? Or what can you tell us about it? What I can tell you very briefly, Dave, is that the uh, system in its old form, we were able to commission, uh, rather get to the city council and have them repeal the ordinance that allowed those citations to be written, which was the introductory uh, to that abusive system. So since the repeal of that ordinance, uh, we... As a community, and I so they did repeal it. So that it was repealed. Okay. However, here's the scary piece, oh, and this however. is why it's critical. <laughs> the Spokane model, Spokane, Washington model, that was introduced by the community that has been successful over 25 years. You have judges, you have other elected officials who have saying this has been working. 
on dealing with underlying issues. Well, Appleton Air School District has not implemented that particular system, even though it gave the perception to the community that this is what we were going to do. It has not. And, and specifically, there was a piece in there that's called the Community Attendance Board, also known as CAP, for those who are kind of in the know of this, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Community Attendance Board, which is comprised of various uh, stakeholders, such as social workers, counselors, uh, uh, some churches, people who can help deal with underlining issues. Okay. Well, they have not even implemented that. And what's happening hmm. is uh, truancy numbers, if you look at some of the recent news, truancy numbers are starting to go up. And I believe it's a scare tactic to make people think, listen, we have to get this ordinance back. We got to get back to writing tickets and give this perception that everything's huh. going up. But Amber McGinley, who was a school board uh, candidate, has clearly made it clear as a task force member that they're still counting kids with underlying issues in their numbers. They have not pulled those kids out hmm. uh, and been able to really do it. So we got to be aware that this is a very critical issue. So, yes, it's shut down. But, yes, there's a reality that the appearance is because they're not implementing the Spokane model in its form with the right. exception of those citations that they could uh, bring it back under a new name. Okay. And so that's always a possibility. So uh, again, what we mentioned earlier, Amber McGinley will be running for the Appleton area school district in April. Yes. She'll be on the ballot. And I say vote for one, vote for <laughs> one because uh, part of the process is uh, I speak to in the book and I try to hit it. Uh, systematic bullying, one of the systems that is used and it has been repeated with several other candidates throughout the decade history that's talked about to where they are. They will tell the administrative leadership will tell the employees what they feel about candidates after they bring them in, interview them. And essentially, if they feel that they have someone that's not going to go with their flow and rubber stamp these policies, they'll go back and, and just lie and give all types of uh, blown out of proportion perspective that this person is going to come up here and just try to undo everything. And then those block of voters show up and literally will block that candidate out. So it's important to wow. understand that Amber uh, is not a choice, I believe, just based off of some of the uh, her her awareness. She's talked about exclusion and restraint, which is in the next series that I wrote up that's, you know, kids literally been handcuffed and, and uh, put in what what I would say the quilling of the whole uh, but it's nice. It's given these nice and without the parents' knowledge. And there's been a whole wow. lot of uh, coverage on that. Wow. She spoke up about these issues. So she is the she is the choice. Amber McGinley. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Alvin. In the book, uh, we'll put the link and some notes in today's podcast at StandUpForTheTruth.com in the post today. Standing up to the systematic bully. Um, Wisconsin uh, also made headlines recently. Um, <laughs> this is an amazing story. I've, so many different sources here. One of them is LifeSite. News parents sue public school district for enabling kids to change gender without parental notice or consent. Madison schools have adopted policies that violate constitutionally recognized parental rights. A public school district should not and cannot make decisions reserved for parents. Now, you and I, we're looking at each other at Pastor Alvin. We're going, isn't this common sense? Yes. Not anymore. Not in the modern-day government-run school system. Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council writes this. Even in California, you have to be 18 to get a tattoo, 16 to drive a car, 21 to buy a gun or alcohol or pot. But if you want to change your gender, then you just have to be 12. And your public school will be more than happy to help. Need an abortion? Tell your teacher. Want to refill your birth control? Go to the school clinic. Thinking about starting hormone treatments? Your parents will never find out. Um, A number of concerned teachers leaked some of this information to the Epoch Times. And there's a policy here that they're discussing. Well, it doesn't expressly say that, quote, hormone therapy is part of that access. The CTA committee made it clear that that's the final goal, hormone therapy. Kids, they argue, should be free to take those drugs without the, quote, barrier of parental permission. This is now, that's the the, um, transition if they want to identify as a male or female. The other issue is abortion. They have in school what's called free excused absence 
abortions. Uh, so what's happening in Wisconsin schools where kids can assume a completely different identity without parents knowing, that's gone on in California since 2013, Michigan since 2016, New Jersey since 2018. And if it hasn't made it to your state, uh, trust me, it's coming. This woman's daughter was 12 years old. Um, Pastor Alvin, you and I grew up in different times when this was not an issue on anyone's mind in most schools across the country, and parents didn't have to worry about it. But now, for, of course, we don't, we're not telling you Christian parents to worry. We're telling you we've got to start raising awareness about this and take action because these, these schools are taking it way too far. So this is a, another issue where parents are not being told about something that is either being taught or allowed in the schools during the day. And then parents find out later that, oh, you, what do you mean you've been transitioning and being, you're going by this, this other name because you want to change your identity? What are your thoughts on that as a pastor and then as a father? Well, I can speak just from a pastor, father, school board member perspective because it's, it's <laughs> all, all the all same. The above. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry you're not going to get changed. <laughs> I think it's uh, horrendous uh, and it's completely wrong and a complete violation uh, of our of our rights just as America you can't Americans you can't I couldn't fathom that that would be happening here and this this land that I love uh, yes. it, it, it's just wrong mm-hmm. as a pastor uh, I can tell you just from a pastor father's perspective I would uh, love to have the opportunity that if my son was struggling with his sexual orientation for me to be able to guide him in the principles of the word of God to help him know that this and this is the way you were created, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the way up until the age of 18 and he leaves my home, then I have no control over what he does. Yeah. But as a as a parent, I should have that right. And I think it's horrendous that the schools would actually take that from us because we trust that they're doing what's right for all kids and not just trying to force anyone's agenda down our children's throat. Yeah. It's totally wrong, and it shouldn't be tolerated. I agree um, but you said something that I think shows um, a lot of us are have been very naive about this. We trust that they are doing right by our kids in the public schools, and that is just not the case anymore. I know there's some Christian parents listening right now that are saying, oh, I'm sure that's just in Appleton, or I'm sure that's just in Madison, or I'm sure that's just in California. I mean, I, I share articles like this on Facebook and these news stories sometimes, and there are, there's always some... Christian uh, parent or not that comes in and says, oh, I'm, this, these are just such uh, extreme cases. Well, it's called the National Education Association for a reason. It's not just the Appleton or the Wisconsin Association or, or Education Association. Let me just share what this mother said. after the, She said, I found out after the fact. I went to the school council and asked why they would let this happen that her 12-year-old daughter was going by a different name in the hopes of identifying with with the other opposite sex, why weren't her parents contacted to see what issues she may be going through before she, quote, came out as a boy? The school counselor relayed to me, we're just following the guidance passed in Michigan in 2016, that parents are not to be notified... (laughs) If a child self-identifies as transgender, understand that. California 2013, Michigan 2016, this was in Wisconsin, that parents are saying, oh, we're following these guidelines. You talk about Spokane, Washington, right, Mm -hmm. for this other issue. Well, there, there are issues and there are guidelines around the country that other schools are going, how should we handle this? Well, this is how they're handling it. They're not telling the parents. I don't have time to get into this now. But I have an anonymous letter we are going to read that I got an email Friday, and I've been communicating with this mother, this concerned teacher. She's in the school system. She's a Christian, and she's writing uh, anonymously saying that there are some issues there with, and she's concerned about her job. If she were to speak up about, and this is just across uh, the border in Michigan, about a girl that said her name was this boy's name, but we'll We'll get into that another time. I just allude to that story, that email, the personal email, because it's not just happening in the big cities. 
in Wisconsin. It's not just in California. Parents, let's not be naive anymore. Um, in fact, that's what I want to give you an opportunity to do, Pastor Alvin Dupree. How would you encourage parents to kind of wake up, open their eyes, and be aware if they're not involved now with going to school board meetings or anything else, how can you encourage parents to stand in, to step up now, and, and especially if they have kids in the public schools? I would say very clearly, you got to stand up to this systematic bullying because systematically we are being bullied, specifically as faith. So you got to stand up. You got to go. You got to vote. You got to get people in uh, position as board members who will speak to the values uh, that you have as a parent uh, to say that we need to be informed. And I say this very briefly, even here locally, Appleton Air School District, specifically Appleton North, we used to have a men's choir, women's choir. That's changed, and now it's called base uh, or tenant or whatever. Why? Because when it was brought to the board, they just said, we're going to change the name. I said, why are we changing the name? Choir? I have three daughters who sung in the women's choir, and I have yeah. one son who sung in the men's choir. And what it was undercover was, well, one person who identifies as neither male or female felt that this is not what they want, and the names have since been changed. So it, it is happening in the small cities, and oh they're slowly goodness. moving in. I say, get the book. It's not an easy read. It's a must read, and it's not easy because you see – that it is happening. It is. We are been bullying. Stand up yeah. and fight. AlvinDupree.com. We want to raise awareness about this, friends. Thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, when we come back, some exciting guests the rest of the week. We'll tell you about it. Stand up for the truth. A ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. All right, some exciting guests the rest of this week, including tomorrow, Carl Tykrib will be back with us. He's a, an amazing researcher, and he was just at a huge New Age and Pagan festival. And he's the one that does the dirty work and has to go there, and he's going to report on that tomorrow. He's the one that reported on Burning Man uh, a couple months ago. There's some of the stuff that you, you, that us, the average Christian, might look at and go, how do people even get attracted to that? Anyway, uh, it's deception based on New Age. Um, we'll hear about the faith of Vice President Mike Pence on Wednesday, uh, author Leslie Montgomery. Um, Thursday, Paula Payton, she was actually uh, raped and decided to have her baby. She's a pro-life advocate and speaker. We're going to talk to her Thursday and Friday. Dr. Walter Martin, uh, Kingdom of the Cults. His daughter, Jill Martin Rishi, is back with us to talk about what's happening via the occult and New Age and other things that are threatening the Christian church in America. Thanks so much for listening. Share our podcast on social media. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.